a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. See? Yeah. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and administer the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy, maybe, the, maybe. the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that shall be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more uh, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Before Pastor Wolfman there uses all of his good jokes off air, this is Table Talk Radio. Hey, you know what? I to, to look up a theological buzzword, I just typed in theological buzzword in Google, yeah. and our show comes up. Hey. Number does, one. Does that mean uh, our theological buzzword today is from our website? Well, maybe. It depends on how fast you get around to it. Okay, let's go to buzzwords. Pastor Wolfman. <laughs> Today's buzzword is atonement. According to the Table Talk Radio website, it says literally to cover. God's wrath is covered by the blood of the sacrifice, namely the blood of Jesus. It says here especially, I don't know what that's about, some sort of Roman Catholic uh, word got in there. Let's just scratch that and change it to namely the blood of Jesus. What are you talking about? You see the, I mean, you remember the Roman Catholic idea? You got the treasury of merit, and it and it's especially filled with the good works of Jesus, but it's got some other good works in there. You remember that thing? Oh, by the way, I've got an idea. Is this Instead part of, of our Catholic starting outreach? out the show with uh, with telling people what is going on? We should just start talking. So no no intro at all to uh, trick people because you, I think you've been as listening soon to Rush Limbaugh. Does he do that? He has a song. You're the he has a song. But this is the thing. Is as soon as you tell people it's Table Talk Radio, they're like, ooh, dang, where's the off button on this thing? <laughs> so we should trick hey, people. Hey, welcome to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. <laughs> that's, that, that's a good idea. That, that's not a bad idea. We could use the Rush Limbaugh. We could bump in with other people's bump music to trick people so they tune in <laughs> at least for the first, first 30 or 45 seconds. Yeah. Or, or we could be like Chris Roseborough and talk about the show for an hour and then just close up the show. Hey, I thought I thought we were going to start it. I thought we were going to start fighting for the faith. What happened? Uh, yeah. So let's not pretend like we're <laughs> fighting for the faith. Issues, etc., might work. Uh, what do we do if we're gonna if we're gonna be the God Whisperer guys? Uh, how do they start their show? I never have actually listened to the show. <laughs> My favorite thing on our Table Talk Radio fan book page, a uh, Facebook fan page, face oh, yeah. fan on, book page, yeah, was a Facebook. meme. You know what a meme is? You probably don't even know what a meme I is. I know what a meme is. And it said, it had the uh, most interesting man in the world, and it said, I don't always listen to the God Whispers. Scratch that. I never listen to the God Whispers. <laughs>
Nice. That's the kind of thoughtful, insightful things you will find at the Table Talk Radio fan page. Sweet. All right. Let's. Uh, oh, you gave me. What was your buzzword again? Atonement. Atonement. Pay attention. Atonement. All right. I, and I've changed the definition on our thing. That's handy. You might also make a note that of that. All right. Why don't you uh, Why don't you log into the administrator side and change that then for us? Okay. Why don't can you give me the Why don't we just give the, the password to get on there to everyone? So it will turn our webpage into a wiki. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what we need a, a wiki theological thing. Uh, that, that's what the internet is, by the way. Hey, I want to find out something about God. I'll go to Google. That's where God reveals Himself to us. <laughs> faith is my theological buzzword for you. And tabletalkradio.org defines faith as God's, <laughs> you are so lazy. <laughs> God's gift given to us by his word that receives the benefit of Christ's death on the cross. Namely, <laughs> especially namely life, salvation, and forgiveness. Who defines these, by the way? <laughs> you, We do, unfortunately. All right. Okay. Good enough. Uh, so faith and atonement, completely two unrelated buzzwords i would like to make a distinction between atonement and justification by the way go for it so atonement is the work of jesus uh dying for us on the cross now justification is the promise of that atonement delivered to us by the holy spirit that's normally what the bible means when it talks about justification and when the lutheran confessions talk about justification which they do every now and again Table talk radio by the way uh defines justification as to declare righteous and then it says Article for Augsburg Confession. Hey, that's pretty nice. Now, I, wanna, I was going to tell you something else. Were you going to tell way, me this I'm on sure microphone? Can, I'm sure you can hear me. I was reaching for my... <laughs> I was reading Herman Sasa this morning. You know that guy? You I heard prefer to call him Herman Sassy. Herman Sassy. And he was quoting the formula, which was quoting Luther. So you ready? So <laughs> this is great. Sasa quoting the formula, quoting Luther. Who says this? This is this one. <clears throat> that kind of reminds me at the seminary when people would make fun of Pless, who's quoting Forty, who's quoting Luther. Uh, Pless quoting Forty, quoting the formula, quoting the <laughs> apology, quoting Luther, <laughs> quoting Augustine, <laughs> quoting Paul. Right. That's I'm good quote theology right, right there. there. That's that's, <laughs> that's how theology is done. If this one teaching, namely or especially the teaching of justification stands in its purity, then Christendom will also remain pure and good, undivided and unseparated. For this alone, sola, and nothing else makes and maintains Christendom. Where this falls, it's impossible to ward off any error or sectarian spirit. So, so, <laughs> people say, what is the problem with all these various and uh, divided churches, etc., etc.? Um, and the answer is the problem is the doctrine of justification. We got it wrong. So is that is that where the quote um, justification is in the doctrine on which the church stands or falls? Is that where it originates with Luther? Well, that's probably as close as it gets. Uh, apparently, that quote attributed to Luther is one of these can't quite find where it is. But he says he gets awfully close to saying that all the time. Someone someone gave me a sermon by D. D. James Kennedy. Uh, on the Reformation, and he attributed that quote to Calvin. To Calvin, the, 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 where the doctrine of justification stands. Yeah, I have to tell you, see, the doctrine of justification, because it is the delivery of the promise of the atonement, includes with it the the power of preaching, 
I don't know if power is the right word, the authority of preaching and as well as and also especially and namely the sacraments, <laughs> baptism and the Lord's Supper. And Calvinism has this weird thing. Now, we've talked about this before where you can have a, a Calvinist that would practice infant baptism and a Calvinist that wouldn't practice infant baptism. We can have a Calvinist church, like some Presbyterian churches you can go to, and if you want to baptize your baby, they'll do it, but if you want to dedicate your baby, they'll do it too. You, I Someone was telling me about a, some Presbyterian church where they went and they had an infant baptism and an infant dedication, one right after the other, in the same service. Now, th- this is that, that's such, that is such a telling sort of thing that when the Calvinist is talking about justification, they're actually talking about something different than the Lutheran, because the promise of forgiveness is not bound up to that material external word. See, mm-hmm. huh? it's something huh? Huh? Uh, often abstract theology land. Yes, that's why Calvinism is an ism, and Lutheranism is not a real thing. It's there's no Lutheranism. I'm not a big harangue about that. I, by the way, am going to deduct 10,000 points every time someone says Lutheranism, including myself. Uh, okay, I think you need, I, I, I've heard you say this before, but you need to elaborate for this broadcast why Lutheranism is not an ism. Because 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 you're just tricking me into saying Lutheranism? Oh, that's uh, you, did, you don't did get deducted points when you say it on purpose as you're rejecting it, okay. by the way. Well, I'm, a de- I'm amending the rules. <laughs> Lest you start, I'd end up being accused of this huge point debt. You're not only a typical Fort Wayne grad, you're also a typical bureaucrat. TFWG, and what's the other one? TB. TB. <laughs> typical huh. bureaucrat. A typical bureaucrat. Or TS. Why, why, why am I a typical bureaucrat? Because I'm changing the rules? Right. right. That's a typical... Table Talk radio host. <laughs> okay, no, make, make your case though. Why ism? Why not ism? Beca- because there is, um, because you can have Lutheranism can exist apart from a Lutheran. <laughs> you can have no Lutherans in the whole world and still have Lutheranism. You see, so that it's an abstraction. It's a construct. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a structure of thought. That's what it, it refers to, and that's not at all what is intended by the Book of Concord. This is a confession, uh, and, it's, and it's a specific confession. It's something that's stated. It's not just an idea. It's preached, and it's eaten, and it's poured on someone's head. So there's a Lutheran church, and there's a Lutheran doctrine, and there is even a Lutheran Christian. There's these sorts of things, but there is no Lutheranism, this kind of loose philosophy of ideas. It's too, the doctrine is too realistic. It, 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 it always refers to things that are real, uh, not things that are abstract. So when we say Lutheranism, we make something abstract. I'll give you an example. You want an example? How much time do we have? It seems like this segment's gone really long. Yeah, it, uh, in fact, we're uh, just coming up on a break right now. So we'll uh, maybe get into the show after this commercial break. What we were going to do... for Fighting for the Table Talk <laughs> Fighting for the Table Talk issues. Um... <laughs> With half my orthodoxy tied behind my back, and, and just wh- to make it fair, and whispers about God or something like this. Okay, uh, we're gonna come back on Table Talk Radio. We were gonna play some Bible beat. We'll actually see if we get to it. Uh, if Pastor ever quits ranting, we'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. more rejoicing in Colorado and Oregon over the addition of one Table Talk Radio listener. 
in the 99,000, listening to Issues Etc. Bring it. Uh-huh. Oh, Welcome oh. back to bum, bum. the God. Yeah, that music reminds me of Sunday morning. Fighting for the Issues bum, bum. broadcast. Uh, uh, all right, so you were about to go on a harangue about something, and I already forgot what it was. But uh, whatever it was, it probably wasn't that important. So. It was probably always extremely important because I was talking about how my disdain for Lutheranism. Oh, yeah. Remember? I was going to give you an example. This has to do with the use of words, which I'm no expert in. But I would like to be. I'd, I'm no expert in words. I just play one on the radio. You should see me wag my head when I do that. <laughs> uh, so, now, what I was going to give you is an example. I heard someone say the other day, John 6. Ooh, ready for a can of worms? John 6, where Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And there is a question about that in uh, theology, because... Uh, some would say that Jesus there is referring to the Lord's Supper, and some say it's so obvious it needs not to be defended. Well, our friend uh, Dr. Martin Luther said, uh, no, that in fact has nothing to do with the Lord's Supper at all. So there is a debate. Now, someone said in uh, this conversation, they said, John 6 is sacramental. Now, that is an interesting word. It's not, they are, what they didn't say is John 6 is about the sacrament. But rather, John 6 is sacramental. And that little difference is, uh, is, this, is what I'm getting at with the word Lutheranism. Is it Lutheran or is it Lutheranish? <laughs> you, know, you see? Uh -huh. It'd be like someone said, hey, that sounds really Gagline-ish. Now, it's not, it might not be something that you really actually said or thought or meant to say, but it could be kind of sound like you, you know, it's yeah. th this sort of thing. And that Lutheranism has that kind of abstraction kind of bound up to it. It might not actually be Lutheran, but it's Lutheranism. Lutheran-ish. Lutheran-ish. Lutheran-erific. So we said instead of saying sacrament, John 6 is sacramental, I think we should say John 6 is sacramentalish. <laughs> Sacramentalific. <laughs> Eucharific. <laughs> Which doesn't mean anything, really. John 6 is sacramental. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Hey, by the way, I got some emails. Okay. All right. Let's hit them. This is from David. Where's David from? Uh, Dear Masters of Mediocrity. I happened upon your interview with Chris Tomlin whilst, that means while, scrolling through your catalog of previous shows. I've listened to your show for about a year. I'm aware of your fondness for the praise song genre. If you look at the description of the podcast, it says you interviewed Christ Tomlin. I don't know if this is a swipe at the idol of contemporary praise songs or a simple typo. Either way, it made me chuckle at the irony. Is that email ah. really, really old? Yeah, probably. From January. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I fixed Does it a long time old? ago. All right, fixed. All right, number two. You ready? Ready. Okay, this is from uh, Rochester, New York. Where did it go? Uh, from Matthew. A dear Table Talk Radio, I know that Pastor Wolfmuller has been specifically looking for mysticism in contemporary Christian worship music. Indeed, Matthew. That's why my nickname is Wolf the Mystic Hunter. 
By the way, hey, whatever, how come you haven't been calling me that lately? I want to know, uh, whatever happened to Lumpy? Is Do you ever see him around there anymore? Dang, Lumpy. I forgot about that guy. It's like, I, huh. anyway. I'm going to find him in a closet somewhere, stuffing himself on old peanut butter jars. <laughs> Gotta be around here somewhere. We we should have Lumpy come on. What do you want Lumpy to do? Maybe look when into? you get a vicar, he can look for Lumpy. <clears throat> oh yeah. Hey, we got a vicar coming. Relief is on the way, dear Hope Lutheran Church. Uh, a Lord. real vicar this time, not like that Jucola. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he, uh, uh, Matthew, by the way, is going on his real vicarage also this year. So the unfortunate thing is he's about to find out what a vicarage is supposed to be like. Yeah, he's about to find out what. Yeah, he's gonna find out what a real vicarage supervisor is. I told him. I said, "Hey, uh, call me and tell me what a real vicarage is supposed to be like." <laughs> Matthew, this is a different Matthew from Rochester. Continues. Recently, I've been listening to and recording my local contemporary Christian music station, looking for mysticism whenever a quote inside the music segment or any other interviews come on. I listen and record these interviews. I found lots of mysticism. I've included some transcripts below in case Pastor Wolfmiller likes some for his project. If you'd like to use it on air, there's a lot that could be talked about. I can email you audio as well. But here's a question for you to consider. Can mysticism be equated to emotionalism, or is it different? Matthew from Rochester. Okay, what was the question again? The, the question is, can mysticism be equated to emotionalism, uh. or is it different? No, uh, I, I think it's different. Yes. Now that this is, we've had this question before, and I think this is very important distinction to make between these two things. So go for it. What's the distinction? Let's start. Let's get at this thing. Well, it's possible that someone could just be emotional and um, and have a, a likeness even towards that emotion. Uh, so uh, you go to a baseball game, and it starts to remind you of uh, the baseball game your grandpa took took you to at Wrigley's Field when you were three or whatever. And uh, you start to get emotional, and you might even have now a certain affinity for baseball games because of that experience. But right, even right. even though that was some kind of emotional experience, it was uh, not yet claiming to co- be any kind of connection to God. And so I think that's the distinction when we go into the realm of mysticism. You're associating then your emotion uh, with uh, me being close to God or proximity to God or touching God or feeling God or, or somehow connecting with God. Right. That's right. So emotionalism is, um, uh, is, is this kind of, <clears throat> kind of highly triggered emotion, but mysticism is a unique form of that, and it is that I am experiencing the, uh, the unity with the divine nature through my psyche. Sometimes our emotions or whatever you want to call that sort of thing. But it's but mysticism brings with it a lot of theological baggage, you know. So like if you get a get a PowerPoint that has um some soft music playing with pictures of the mountains behind it and you could be moved by it. Or especially, you know, we are just kind of in the wake of this uh huge, huge storm in Oklahoma and the people that are suffering there and you visit people and they're just they they'll say things like my heart is poured out for them and I as you know this this kind of you're just living life through your emotions that would be a, emotionalism but mysticism is a, a unique form of that which is saying that that I'm going to have some sort of inner unity with the divine nature in my soul or my psyche or my emotions and with with God in fact mysticism em- embraces this this primal error that says that we are uh, in one way or another one with God 
Mm. You know, we have a little divine spark inside of us. Mysticism embraces that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Well, let's do some Bible bees, shall we? Oh, yeah. Wait, this I works. remember right now exactly that we're playing that game today. <laughs> Which means you have done no preparation thus Look, far. Look, I have a Bible here. What much more preparation do I need? <laughs> I'll read you verses from the, uh, from the catechism. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, man. Of course. I need some time. The way this game works, by the way... Oh, yeah. Go do, ahead. We have, do we need to explain this game? We're going to read... We have three rounds. First round, three verses. Second round, two, one verse. Third round, one word. Ooh, I do have to do some work on that. Now, then we read those things, and then we guess what book of the Bible it comes from for a certain number of points. And then we talk about law and gospel. All right. So round one for you is this. Esther! Goodness, that was amazing. All right, verse 20. See, I'm even telling you what verse it is. Uh, Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant for the day and if my covenant for the night, so that the day and night will not be at their appointed time, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne and with the Levitical priests, my ministers." As the hosts of the heavens cannot be counted, and the sand of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. Oh, fantastic. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to have to think about that over the break. Huh? All right. We'll be right back on uh, Table Talk Radio playing Bible B. Uh, you can play along at home. What book? does that come from and you could get 200 table talk radio points just for getting that right we'll be right back hey want to hear the most annoying sound in the world table talk radio we'll be right back And we're back. All right, hey, Pastor Wolf Miller, you have had time to think about where this verse comes from, or this pat this few verses, I guess. I Thus, have had time to forget the verses. So, Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant for the day and my covenant for the night, so that night and day will not be at their appointed time, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, that he shall have a son to reign on his throne, and with the Levitical priests, my ministers, as the hosts of heaven cannot be counted and the sand of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. All right. Now, this is this is a, t- a text um, that... So, so David um, was given the promise by God. This uh, is 2 Samuel chapter 7, this great promise where God... David's going to go build God a house. He says, look, how come I'm living in this nice house and God's still in the tabernacle? I'm going to build him a house. And God says, no, no, I'm going to build you a house. And he gives him this great promise that your your seed, your son, will be will sit on the throne forever. And it's a promise of Jesus. And this promise is now repeated all through the, the Scripture. I mean, David says, Lord, was this not enough that you gave me everything else, but now this too? So really, I mean, as we track this promise all through the Old Testament, it starts in Genesis 3.15. 
the promise of the seed born to um, born to Eve, uh, and then the uh, the promise of the seed of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Judah. And then Judah is the last time we hear the promise in Genesis 50 until we get to King David. And then at David, who's a descendant of Judah, God comes and says, yes, the Messiah is going to be your son as well. So when Jesus asked the Pharisees, whose son is the Messiah? They say David's son because of this promise. Now, this promise is repeated throughout after David throughout the whole rest of the of the scriptures. The, the Old Testament is always referring back to this promise as this fundamental promise of David's of David's um, son sitting on the throne forever. And this text says, look, if you want to make me undo this promise, you're going to have to also undo my promise that there'll be day and night. (laughs) So if you can go and stop the sun from moving around the sky or the earth from spinning or whatever, then you can also stop this from happening. Just Messiah beautiful. from coming. Just amazing. That's a fantastic promise. So now this it's it's in a hand, it's in a lot of different places. The 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 they're bringing out this promise. It's it's brought out in the Psalms. It's brought out in Isaiah. Uh, the minor prophets will all be pointing back to this. Now this I'm fairly sure is Old Testament. Um, now it's especially bound up into the priesthood as well. I, I'm going to come and guess because the, uh, the the prophets are always bringing these promises back to people's attention. But especially because the priesthood is there, and so the idea that the priesthood will be hanging around, um, and Ezekiel especially in his prophecy is working on the temple, the temple being rebuilt and things like this. I'm going to say that this comes from the book of Ezekiel. Oh, sorry. Too bad. That, you're actually looking for the book of Jeremiah. Oh, man, I was close. That, that right there. 33. See, both Ezekiel and Jeremiah are prophets of the exile. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> so sorry. I'm not interested in anything else you have to say. I am interested in what else you have to say for free, uh, law and or gospel. <laughs> this is gospel. This is gospel, man. Gospel. When the people needed to hear it most, too. Yeah. So look, uh, change change the fact that the sun comes up in the morning, I'll change my promise. That's right. <laughs> Oh, man, is that great. That is just great. All right, ready for your verse? Ready. Now, is this from the Catechism? It's from the Bible. But it's a Catechism verse. I had to to open the Bible because the Catechism only gives you two verses, and I want you to have your full three for a shot at this guy. Thank you. Okay, go for it. Okay. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Uh, what is... It's like we're playing Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's weird. How that's just like a habit. What is... Yeah, I know. You're weird. You're very weird. Hey, uh, Colossians. This comes from the book of Colossians. You are right. You want to double down on the chapter? Sure. Um, I know it's either chapter 2 or chapter 3. And I am going to say chapter 2. Oh, man. Chapter (laughs) 1. Verses 13 to 15. All right. 
Well, there's a lot here. Would you mind reading again for our discussion? Sure, sure, sure. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Okay, um, let's talk, take, take this idea first that uh, he has redeemed us from the, the power of death or the power of darkness. Um, th- now, this is something kind of fascinating. Th- this kind of theme that we have throughout Scripture of darkness and light. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I talk a lot of the time um, at, uh, at Faith about how if, uh, if, if God had not revealed himself then we would we would just literally be in the dark we would, we had know nothing about him so so god creates this universe that we live in plops us down as his creation and we uh, kind of go about and that might be the sound that you make <laughs> plop oh okay um and <laughs> was that, that was a, an insult is that a really bad joke or what <laughs> and then um uh, so so it's it's a closed system it's, i mean it's not like we can just reach up into the heavens and find stuff about god so it's a closed system so we are in this sense in the dark and then christ comes and this is the idea of epiphany that christ is the light he he uh he reveals himself to us in the person of jesus and uh, and as follows uh, through holy scripture um so now we are no longer under the power of this darkness or the power of death um but he has redeemed us um, and brought us to uh, to the sunlight, uh, so to speak. Um, so this is gospel. I do want to uh, take a, a moment to talk about this other passage being the firstborn of all creation. Yes. Because this is the passage that your uh, Jehovah's Witness friends are going to bring up to try and tell you that Jesus was a creation of God uh, rather than um, being of the same essence of God. And I think what we can say that this passage means is not that that Jesus is a creation of God, but that um, uh, because he unites himself to our flesh and blood, uh, in a sense, all of our uh, all of our flesh and blood flows uh, uh, from him, in a sense. Uh, how, else, how else would you articulate that passage? Uh, passage? Uh, well, it goes on to say, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth that are visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, so that he is the creator, not the created. There's that distinction. And then, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So that the text goes on to clarify this, to say, look, this is not some super angel, but more. Okay, Uh, this uh, This is God. Yep. That's what I would that's what I would do. Nice. Okay. Now, um let's go to your round two. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm gonna give you lots of points though. Hold on. E.g. two one hundred for the thing and two hundred for the law and gospel, giving you a total of three hundred points. Ooh. That's nice. Imputed to you by faith. <laughs> All right, ready? Hey, that was a buzzword. Boom! Shaka-laka-laka! 500! Hey, oh, and I was going to get to atonement in my explanation. I forgot. <laughs> Boy, I am this not on my... Wake up! I know. Gig line. I'm sleeping over here. Okay, here's your round two. I'm ready. But at the evening offering, I arose from my humiliation, even when my garment and my robe tore, and I fell on my knees and stretched out my hands to thee, Lord my God. Oh, man. At the evening offering I rose. This sounds Old Testament. Old, we're talking Old Testament. Old Testament. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a, it's usually a pretty good bet. 
that, and maybe you haven't figured this out yet. In rounds one and two, it's going to be from the Old Testament for you because, I mean, three verses in the New Testament is pretty hard to find that you're not going to be able to just identify pretty easily. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that this is a compliment. These obscure verses are such a nice thing. I didn't even realize it. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. This is where you so, where you insult me by saying that yours come from the catechism. Anyway, go on. <laughs> go on. My garments are torn. So even if, this is a kind of a – I think I need this one more time. I, I mean, the, what I mean is for the sake of the listener playing along, <laughs> they why don't you it read again. it one more time? Yeah. Uh, but at the evening offering, I arose from my humiliation, even with my garments and my robe torn. And I fell on my knees and stretched out my hands to the Lord my God. I rose, even with my clothes torn, I stretched out my hands toward God. I'm praying. It sounds like this is almost like a priest. Now, there was, is he, wasn't Ezekiel a priest? Yeah, I think Ezekiel was a priest. I'm going to go with Ezekiel this time. Second round, same guess. Ezekiel, the prophet priest, lamenting to God at the time of the offerings, even though the temple had been destroyed, and he gets carted off to the rivers of Babylon, the Chadar River. How do you say that? Kadar? Chadar? Chatter? Anyway... Oh, the river over there in Babylon. My Babylonian pronunciation is bad. And he's praying in his humiliation. Ezekiel. I'm sorry. You were... <laughs> Someday I'm going to really read Ezekiel and then I'll know. <laughs> Ezra is, is the book. Oh, man. So uh, Ezra at the time of the return, the priest uh, leading the third wave of the return back. Now, this is nice. And I'll, after this uh, commercial break, I'll read you this prayer uh, that he says uh, right after this, this verse I read you. Oh, yes. We're on, yes. Uh, listening to Table Talk Radio, we are playing Battle B with uh, one more round of Battle B after this commercial break. Don't go away. Most persevering listeners in radio. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. All right, Pastor Wolfner, here's the prayer um, that we have from Ezekiel chapter 9. Uh, Ezekiel, you say? Ezekiel? Or, no, sorry, is that Ezra, Ezra, sorry. <laughs> Whew. Well, you almost had a cow over there. Ezra chapter 9. <laughs> uh, and I said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities have arisen above our heads and our guilt has drowned even to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt on account of our iniquities. We, our kings and our priests, have been given into the hand of the kings and the of the lands to the sword, to captivity, to plunder and to open shame. Woo! There you go. Okay. Uh, it's nice that, you know, Ezekiel... The, so the Lord destroys the temple and Jerusalem and everything else for the purpose of, of, of humbling the people, that they would turn to him and he would rescue them. And Ezekiel is demonstrating that precisely. Yeah, and and uh, and this this was the uh, this is what the Lord had said previously. For the reason for this uh, lament: the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, and according to their abominations. You know, then you have huh. the the, Kit the Hittites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites. You know, all those guys. 
Right. Um, so, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, this is a reoccurring theme in, uh, all, in all of the Old Testament, uh, as you see Israel, that they, they, you know, marry those, uh, this kind of mixed marriages with those who, uh, who do not, uh, worship the Lord. And so, um, they're, they're binding themselves in their confession. They, they're worshiping false gods and idols. Um, I mean, if, if there's one theme throughout the Old Testament, it is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Right. That's right. So we, we also should know how, we should have no other gods before. That's a good idea. <laughs> All right. I'm ready for round two. Oh, you are? So bold. So bold, this young. Okay. Nice here it stall. is. I got it. Let me see here. Here it is. All right. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. I think you're trying to trick me here. Ooh, a trick. <laughs> you would want a me to trick. think that this is from the beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see the kingdom of God. It sounds an awful lot like that. Yeah, read it again. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Hmm, where would that be? Or maybe that is the same thing. I think it's huh. just, just a translation. Cool. I'm going to say, what is Matthew. Oh, so close, so close. This was a trick. <laughs> this comes from Luke. Oh, that's mean. This is, comes from Luke. So we have the in Matthew, we have the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke, we have the so-called Sermon on the Plain, where in Luke chapter 6, uh, Jesus uh, kind of re-preaches the sermon from, uh, from the Mount. Uh, yeah, that, that's, why, that's my justification for re-preaching the same sermon. Hey, Jesus did it. Right. If Jesus can now, do it, I can do, do it. you are right. You pointed out the difference. In the Beatitudes from Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in Luke, it is, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And then later, uh, the, just to compare down uh, the, in the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In Luke 6, it says, Blessed are you that hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Yeah. Now, this, by the way, is a most wonderful gospel um, that, uh, I mean, so first of all, we should say that uh, the, this text isn't, as some understand it, to be talking about one's bank account, uh, so that the, those who don't uh, have any money, um, but rather this is um, those who are, are spiritually poor. Um, and, and this is the wonderful thing. I mean, so the, the world's going to tell you, you know, you need to get a good job. Um, you need to be successful. You need to not show any weaknesses. Um, never be wrong. This kind of thing. And then Jesus is going to come along and say, um, you know, if you are the opposite of all those things, if you you know, show forth that you're wrong, that you're weak, that you cannot save yourself, then you are blessed. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. And of course, uh, we are blessed because we have our Lord Jesus, who has accomplished all those things for us. So yeah, when, we right. can, when we can finally come before the Lord and say we are poor, we have nothing to offer our Lord, there's nothing that he would want. He, he doesn't want our uh, sinful and guile heart. He doesn't want um, uh, somehow to uh, dedicate our lives to him. When we can just see that we have nothing worth giving to our Lord, uh, he can say, what, what a blessing. Yeah, because there you are. Now you have our end, Then you're at the beginning. Right. <laughs> the law comes right up next to the gospel. Yoop. You're hungry and thirst for righteousness because you don't have it, but blessed because I got some for you. 
That's that's just great. All right, You're let's right. let's see how miserable you do in round one. This is where you get one word Wait, and round three. Round three. Sorry. Keep, wake up. <laughs> what is the problem over there? I don't Normally know. I'm, I'm sleeping. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm busy che- checking. Facebook. I'm busy checking Facebook. Because <laughs> I'm who. All right, your one-word clue is the word dome, D-O-M-E, dome. Dome? Yep. Like uh, like a Shakespearean sort of thing? He hit him across the dome and struck him on the pate? Or they built a dome, Hmm. D-O-M-E, you say? Mm -hmm. Is that how to even spell the word? (laughs) V-H-O-M-E-L? Our third third grade listeners will tell you if that's the correct way to spell it. (laughs) Not the best speller. I'm, I'm not either. I, I'm still waiting for the invention that when I'm writing on the whiteboard, I misspell something. A little red squiggly automatically pops up. That's right. I want to do a little when I when I say something wrong. When I say a word that I don't know how to spell, a little red squiggly goes on my bottom <laughs> lip. I'm a stellar speller. You know that. <laughs> you know that. You're stalling. I just quoted Answer. two Rhett and Dome. Link songs. Dome. Oh, this is so easy though. This comes from the Book of Esther. <laughs> is that your your go to response when you don't know Esther? Yeah, no, I know Esther, man. I know Esther like the back of my hand. Yeah, well then Esther, you... you know this Esther by all Esther also was during the time of the deportation. You're giving me all of these Babylonian captivity texts. Now, can you remind us where uh, Dome comes on, comes in the word of in the book of Esther? Yeah, yeah. So what is happening there in the book of Esther <laughs> is um, the the king has been tricked. The uh, the king there, the Persian uh, king, has been tricked into killing all the Jews, and Esther, being one of his wives, is going to go and intercede for them, even though she has not been bidden to come and see the king. So she takes up her own, her at, at, at the risk of her own life, and she goes to the palace, to the king's throne room, which is under the great dome. <laughs> and she's the king. <laughs> no, sorry. Amos has the word dome, though. Oh, Amos. Sheesh. Uh, <laughs> I, I figured Amos. You have this little passage uh, uh, talking about uh, the Lord's judgment and how it cannot be avoided. You know, smite the capitals so that the threshold will shake and I will break uh, them on the heads of all. And then it have it come to verse six: um, the one who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and has founded his uh, vaulted dome over the earth. Oh. Um, he who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. That sounds very Jobish. Amos, by the way, was early on. Amos was not a prophet of the exile. He came earlier in history. So I set you up for failure on that, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was thinking so... I was thinking deportation. I just couldn't break away. All right, I got one for you. There's a chance you might actually get this. Well, not a good chance. Your one word... Oh, do you want law and gospel on that? Oh, sounded please. an awful lot like law. Really? What gave it away is law? Uh, well, the Lord, uh, talking about bringing destruction. Is this a second judgment text? I mean, it's a second coming text? Day of judgment text? I think it is. I probably have to look it up. Sure. Lawish. It's lawish. It's lawful. It's law Ian. It's lawism. It's lawism. Lawism. <laughs> Your one word clue is shrines. Shrines. That only comes up once, huh? Indeed, one time, at least in the King James. Hmm. Shrines. Hmm. Shrines. Hmm. 
Hmm. I could get it because I'm looking at the whole verse here. I'm trying to hmm. think where shrines would come in. I, I mean, so I'm what I immediately go to is some of the false god worship that we mentioned just in the last segment about um, in the Old Testament. But also um, the fact that I said you might be able to get it is an indication that that's probably not it. <laughs> now you're just trying to throw me. Um, although you might have this, time. you might have this in like the Book of Acts, um, hmm. where you have you know Paul going around all these places. But I don't, I don't remember shrine coming up. Um, huh. So I'm, I'm sticking with the Old Testament, and um, this could come up maybe in in Exodus. Or Numbers, or Deuteronomy, <laughs> or Genesis. Just list all the books of the Bible. This could be in, uh, you know, Psalms, Proverbs, oh. or Ecclesiastes, uh, Song of Solomon, maybe. <laughs> um, or you know, Judges, <laughs> Psalms. I would go with Esther. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go. Oh. Oh, that would oh. be that would be funny. That would be funny. That would I'm, be. I'm, I'm going to go with Esther. <laughs> <laughs> this comes from the Book of Acts, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Acts chapter 19, Paul in Ephesus. The silver shrines to Diana. I'll read you the verse. I get half credit for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana. Brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity in this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. Anyway. All right. So, uh, you shall have no other gods before my face. Um Diana also knows Artemis. The temple to Artemis in Ephesus was one of the great wonders of the ancient world. She was a fertility goddess, wasn't she? Right. She had about four dozen bosoms. <laughs> I seen them. I was there. All right. I was. Uh, I was in the museum. Yeah. So there. We, we actually. Where's the Brian place. anyway? Oh, he's still looking at. <laughs> he he wanted to take a second trip to the museum. <laughs> We stood in the Colosseum there, where, not the Colosseum, in the um, amphitheater, in the, what's the thing called? In the theater, where all of Ephesus gathered and shouted, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. It was this massive thing, goes up this hill. I mean, seats like 40,000 people. This is incredible. Huh. Nuts. Well, that is uh, law, by the way. And this is what Paul always does when uh, we have these false gods sticking around. Uh, he always... Uh, bring salvation in Christ alone at the exclusion of those. Uh, he doesn't ever put them next to each other. He always says, hey, look, uh, Christ is the way to salvation. So that's uh, law. And thank yeah. you for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the result of putting your faith in Artemis. <laughs> doesn't work out so well, huh? There's no atonement there. <laughs> Kabow, You've Kabow. been listening to Table Talk Double Radio. Buzzword. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time. 
through Table Talk Radio.